as well. And today's a special day as well, not just because of uh, Vacation Bible School completing, but we have the opportunity to dedicate um, to the Lord uh, Henry Scott Saleo. So Jimmy and Bridget and anyone else that's coming up with you, come on up. And uh, it's just an honor again to dedicate another child. Uh, And Henry is a great part. I get to see him all the time. He's here all the time. And it's awesome. Yes, absolutely. You feel free to record it. You're the big sister. You do what you need to do, all right? You let me know where you, all right? And you can move around anywhere you want to. You're not going to bother us at all, Amber. All right? All right. So uh, anyhow, uh, Henry Scott Saleo. Hey, Henry, how you doing, buddy? I'm going to show you off to everybody. How's that sound? He, He is a cutie. That's right. Of course he is. This is Henry. Henry. Say hi to everybody, Henry. Yeah, this is your church family. Yeah. Isn't he? He's a bright boy, isn't he? He's very, very bright, smiles a lot. And he's a good guy. He's got two older sisters that are helping take care of him, too. Look at this guy, isn't he? He's beautiful, isn't he? What do you think? Say hi to everybody. <laughs> yeah, that's all right. So, you know, children are an incredible heritage, and I know you guys are blessed with Amber and Kaylee, and uh, you've been doing a great job raising them, you know, and uh, letting them know uh, what it is to serve Jesus. We're glad to have Amber and Kaylee here. Amber got baptized at our church picnic a couple weeks ago, and, uh, and so you guys are doing a good job. Right, Henry? That's right. You just stare at me. That's right. You're going to do a lot of that. That's right. Oh, here it is, buddy. There you go. Do you want it? There you go. Yeah, there. So um, you guys have been doing a great job raising uh, your daughters, and now God has given you a son, and uh, Henry Scott Saleo. So the Lord grants him back to you to continue to raise. And we don't know what God has in store for this young man. We don't know the great things that he has in store for him. I know that his parents have made some good plans for him, his grandparents made some good plans, but God has made perfect plans for him. And so we're going we're gonna to pray that the Lord would allow those perfect plans to come out. Whoop, there it goes. That's all right. And uh, the third child, you don't even wipe it off, right? Just give it right back. <laughs> I mean, the third child that falls in the dirt, you're like, whatever. I mean, yeah. What uh, doesn't kill you makes you stronger. <laughs> so, um, but anyhow... Uh, you know, um, what was I saying before I was so distracted by myself? Um, uh, God has given you guys a beautiful gift. And, um, and so we're going to pray, and we're going to believe as well. Congregation, this is their dedication of their child to God, but it's your dedication as well, that you as a congregation will continue to do the things like we did this past week and let there be a place where this child can come as he grows as he becomes a 5-year-old, a 10-year-old, a 15-year-old, to still be able to come and hear the truth about Jesus Christ. So that's your dedication to this child as well. Um, You pledge, as we pray, you pledge that you will be there to provide for for Henry and for all the other kids. Right, buddy? You ready to go to mom and dad now? You ready to go back to mom and dad? He's a good boy, let me tell you. Gigi, as you have granted, as you have given him to God, God has granted him back to you for you to raise, to continue to teach him about the, the fear and the knowledge of God. And big sisters, as you guys are there to help, that's awesome. A- uh, Kaylee, Amber, you're doing a good job filming. And Jacob, and all the help that you'll be as well uh, to these guys. Let's pray and ask the Lord's blessing upon Henry Scott Saleo. Henry Scott Saleo, I anoint you with oil in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Right now, Jesus, we bring Henry before you. We thank you that, Lord, you've granted him to this family. And we don't know the plans that you have, but we know that your plans are incredible. They're great. They're good. That, Lord, your plan is for this child to grow. And to not just grow physically, we know he'll do that. Not just to grow emotionally and mentally, but to grow spiritually. To know you. That, Lord, you would be 
that one in his life that is always a constant. I thank you for his mother and his father. I thank you for, uh, for Amber and Kaylee being his big sisters, and they're going to be great in his life too. But Lord, I pray that you would be that one who is always there as well. Thank you for his family, for his grandparents, Lord, for his, his aunts and uncles and those that are, are going to take part in his life as well. Thank you for this family, Lord, this church family. And we pledge uh, to do our part to be here so that there is a place for this young, young boy, young man to grow up, to know you, and to be able to serve you and follow you with all of his heart. So, Lord, would you just be that strength in his life as he grows? Help him, Lord, in every situation. We pray your protection upon him from any outside force that would come against him, from any germs, from any person, from any evil that would come against him. Allow him to stand in the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit in his life. Lord, fulfill your plans in him. Grant uh, Jimmy and Bridget wisdom. Grant Amber and Kaylee wisdom as well as they uh, are big sisters to this, to this boy. And Lord, we just pray your blessing upon him now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, he's, he's trying to come back to me here. Hold on a second. <laughs> He's a good boy. All right. Oh, Kaylee, thank you. What a good big sister. Oh, my goodness. Bridget, there's his certificate in the tiny New Testament. Lord bless you guys. <clears throat> Man, God is so awesome, isn't he? Oh, what a great day it is. And uh, this morning, it's, it's, it's an honor to come back and to uh, be, continue on my series here that we're going through this summer hard questions God asks you, and specifically the questions of Jesus. And those questions that he asks, man, sometimes they just really take us back. And so this morning, we're going to focus on a very simple question that he asks, and, and simply it's this, do you believe this? I don't know about you, I've said that phrase many times, not in a good way. You know, like yesterday when the third major thunderstorm came through, I'm like, do you believe this? Right? I mean, how many of you were feeling that yesterday? You know, anybody get water in your house, in your basement at all? Yeah. Well, well that's, that's, you're not alone in that, so, you know, good luck on that. So, you know, a lot of us have gotten water in our basement. Thank God at a church this size, there's only one little spot that's got a little leak in it. And, you know, thank God the leak in the sanctuary is fixed and done away with, so that's awesome. Um, but, you know, God is good in the midst of all this. And Jesus does not ask this question like, Aren't you glad Jesus never responds to people by going, do you believe this? I mean, how many times could he have said that? Like, Father, do you believe this again? You know, but um, in this question, he asked this in the right way. And he's asking, do you believe this? And so this morning, we're all brought to that question here today. Do you believe? Do you believe this? Do you believe this? In uh, John chapter 11, in this great passage, one of my favorite passages in the Bible, where Jesus is, uh, he's apprised of his friend Lazarus' situation. Lazarus is sick unto death. And Jesus does what Jesus does still today sometimes, and he sort of delays going. Has that ever happened to you? Have you ever needed Jesus like right now? And like he comes later on. And his timing is not good for us sometimes. But let me just say this. His timing is always perfect. His timing is always right on the money. You know? And so in this, somebody sends word to him, Jesus, your friend Lazarus is sick, and Jesus loved Lazarus. And Mary and Martha, uh, Lazarus' sisters, you know? And so um, he, he finally goes, and as he's going, he gets word that Lazarus has died. Now, he knows this. He knows Lazarus is dead. And then Martha comes out to meet him. And Martha, you know, God love her. She's just like you and I. And, um, and so, you know, uh, she comes and she finds Jesus. And what's her first question? Lord, if you had been here, this wouldn't have happened. How many of you have ever said that to Jesus, right? We've all been there. Verse 23, we'll pick it up there in John 11. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Me will live even if he dies. And everyone who believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Bam, there it is. She said to him, yes, Lord, 
I have believed that you are the Christ, the Son of God, even he who comes into the world. So you might say she doesn't answer the question like you'd expect it, but let's, let's unpack this a little bit and see exactly what she does. See, Jesus states the fact to her that Lazarus is going to rise again. And it's interesting because when he, he says this to her, she affirms this. She understands this, that Lazarus will rise again because she understood Jewish theology. And Jewish theology taught that at the end of time, God is going to resurrect everybody that's ever lived, and everybody will stand before God. That's Jewish theology. So at the end of time, we all stand before God, and God judges you on whether or not, whether you're godly or not. I mean, that's Jewish theology. Aren't you glad Jewish theology is not the end? <laughs> right? You know, and so she understands this. And so at first, she answers in her, in her religious ideas. And so often we sort of sort of try to keep Jesus in a place where we hold him in a religious spot in our lives. And so when Jesus says to her, hey, Lazarus will rise again, she's like, oh, I know he will at, at the end of time when everybody raises. You know, but Jesus doesn't, aren't you glad he's not bound by religion? <laughs> you know, isn't it so great? Martha affirms her belief in the resurrection, but then Jesus makes this declaration. And this is totally off everything she's ever learned in her synagogue in her in her theology classes in her raising up as as a young woman as a young jewish woman there this goes against everything that she's been taught and jesus says i'm not talking about that resurrection i want you to know that i am the resurrection i'm the resurrection and so uh, this, this totally changes everything. This takes it out of theology because there's all this theology that's in our world today and it's all this knowledge up here. And there's lots of people that have all this knowledge up here. They can give you the right answers. They know the Bible. They know this. They know that. It's all up here. And that's okay. But Jesus takes it down further from your brain down to your heart, down to your gut, down to your hands and your feet. He takes it into something beyond just a knowledge of God. It's an experience. And he's saying, listen, you're talking about that resurrection. I'm showing you the resurrection. I am the resurrection. And then he goes on to say, I'm not only the resurrection, but I am the life. And let me tell you, if you look at anybody walking down the street, one of those two things is what they need. Either they need a resurrection or they need a life. One of the two of them, you know what I'm saying? In fact, some of you in this room, maybe you need to get a life too. You know what I'm saying? All right? Maybe you need a resurrection in your life. Maybe there needs to be something that comes back in you that to, to life again in you. And Jesus stirs this up in Martha, and then he says to her, Hey, do you believe this? Because what he said is not just some flippant thing. What he says is absolutely earth-shaking. And Martha affirms and says, Yes, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, even the one who comes into the world. She doesn't totally understand it. She doesn't totally understand everything about Jesus. Neither do any of you. Right? And be careful when you get around people who think they know it all. Because they actually don't know anything. Because it's just like in life. The, the older you get, the more you know, the more you realize how dumb you really are. You know what I'm saying, right? You know what I, you know what I mean? When you're young, you're like, yeah, I know everything. I'm just so smart. I'm like, I'm awesome. And then, you know, you, you get through your 30s, and you're like, oh, my gosh, I'm an idiot. And then you have children, and they remind you you're an idiot, right? <laughs> you know? <laughs> the, you know, she trusted in theology up to this point. Now, all of a sudden, her trust goes from trusting in a theology to trusting in a person, trusting in someone. Jesus was stating a trust in him. God is bigger than theology. God's always looking to expand our belief. Uh, in America, we're, we're, you know, we're, we love to not believe things. And in fact, sometimes we're like, oh, that's just that's so bizarre, I can't believe it. We have actually, there's a whole franchise out there, Ripley's Believe It or Not. Although, I can't understand how it still works today because we see so many things that we can't believe all the time. You know, like so much of, of this world is just like unbelievable you know, it used to be you'd see something, you'd be like, oh, that just can't happen. Remember the X-Files back in the 90s, you know, the old show, the X-Files? And everybody's like, oh, that's just such, that's just such, you know, gobbledygook out there. That's a, now we're living in the X-Files, right? I mean, you know what I mean? I mean, we're, these are the X-Files days we're living in, the upside down. We're living in the upside down. 
And um, listen to this. There's this group called Partners in Leadership. And Jesus asked, what do you believe? And so this is a secular group. This is a group that deals with organizations and businesses and corporations. And they're talking about the belief of a company, the belief of an organization. Because, like, if you, let, let's say somebody, you know, let's say somebody is trying to sell you something. If they don't use it themselves, would you want to buy it from them? Right? And so in order to be, in order to really be part of an organization, you've got to buy into that organization. So if your organization is, you know, selling widgets, you should be a person who uses widgets, Right? And so this group called Partners in Leadership, they talk about the beliefs of an organization. And I thought, wow, how apropos it is to sort of look at our belief in a church and as believers, the same as that's true in this organizational structure is true for us as individuals. Listen to this. It says this, the beliefs held by people in an organization manifest by how they think and act. In other words, that's what beliefs are. Beliefs, beliefs drive how you think and act. All right? Those beliefs are the primary determiners of their personal behavior and actions inside the organization. In fact, beliefs as a determiner of actions will trump action plans, reorganizations, new processes and systems, and the latest behavior modification program seven days a week. Yes, beliefs really are that important. And so this secular organization that has nothing to do with faith says that, listen, how, how people believe in an organization will absolutely trump anything the organization tries to get them to do. And so your belief as a believer, as a Christian, is foundational to everything else that you do as a believer. All right? It's what you believe that really makes a difference. This is why it's sort of a, a, a difficult time in our nation because... Um, you know, there's a lot of people who express spirituality, but they really don't know what they believe. In fact, there's a lot of people in churches that really don't know what they believe. You know, they just sort of go along with the system that's there, but they really, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't trickle down from the head to anywhere else in their bodies. And so George Barna, he, he's, he uh, did a poll, and I, I used a couple of these stats from this poll a few months ago. Uh, back in, in 2019, he pulled evangelicals. So we're not talking about, he didn't pull, uh, you know, Episcopals or Presbyterians. He pulls evangelicals. You would think, and now we're not necessarily evangelicals, we're Pentecostals, but we're very similar to evangelicals. Evangelicals are ones who supposedly believe that the word of God is true. So he pulls evangelicals. Listen to what he, listen to what he discovered. Of those evangelicals, and he took like 3,000 evangelicals. These are church-going evangelicals, not people who just say they're evangelicals. Of those 3,000, 48% believe a person who's good enough or does good enough works can earn salvation. So almost half of the evangelicals that he polled said, well, you know, God's, if you're good, God's going to get you to heaven. All right? 44% claim the Bible is ambiguous in its teaching about abortion. All right, forty-three percent maintained that when Jesus was on this earth, he sinned. So, I mean, listen, if you believe Jesus sinned, what do you believe in? <laughs> I mean, there's nothing there. It, your belief—you believe in something false because if Jesus sinned, his death on the cross is worthless. It means nothing, and yet. 43% of these evangelicals believe, oh, yeah, he sinned. I mean, where are they getting their information from? You know, not from the Word of God, all right? They're getting it from some other source. Right? There's a bunch of other things. You can check that poll out if you want to. Um, you know, there's just, it's just some amazing things. Let's talk about these beliefs because, see, what you believe is going to change how you live. What you believe is going to change how you do, what you do on a daily basis. What you believe is going to transform who you are. In Mark chapter 5, um, we have this story of Jesus. He's, he's walking through this town, and he's on his way to this guy's house because this guy is a leader of the synagogue, and his daughter is sick. And so Jesus is on his way to this guy's house, and there's this crowd of people that are there. And so, you know, the streets are not wide. They're narrow. There's people all over the place People are bumping into each other. 
Um, you know, it stinks. I mean, because people stunk back then, you know, and, and, and the streets stunk back then, and there's chickens running around, and, and you know, there's goats here. And it just it's just this, this, this dynamic system that he's walking into. And this is what happens in verse 24. A large crowd followed and pressed around him. It's talking about Jesus. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had. Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak. In other words, the garment that his outer garment had some tassels on the bottom of it. And she just touches the tassels on his garment. Now, there's some Jewish reasons why that's important. There's some biblical reasons why that's important. But we won't get into those today. But the reality is she just touches his clothes. That's all she does. Just grabs the hold of his clothes, all right? Um, because she thought, isn't that interesting? She thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. And this woman has gone for 12 years to doctors. She spent all of her money. It says she suffered under the hands of the doctors. Anybody ever done that? <laughs> you know, right? You've all been there. And, and so, and she's gotten, instead of getting better, she's gotten worse. Has that ever happened to anybody? But she thinks in her head, if I just touch this garment of Jesus, I'm going to be healed. All right? At once, immediately, excuse me, immediately, her bleeding stopped, and she felt in her body that she was freed from suffering. Just like that. Boom. At once, Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? I mean, what kind of a question is that? I mean, who didn't touch his clothes? I mean, you know, they're getting jostled around in the crowd, you know. I mean, I mean you know, um, who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding against you, his disciples answered. And yet you could ask, who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet and trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. He said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. I mean, listen, Jesus doesn't even touch this woman. He doesn't spit on the ground and make mud with it. He doesn't, like, you know, like, uh, you know, wipe his armpit off and slap her on the head. He doesn't do any of those things. He doesn't even know she's there. All of a sudden, she touches his garment, and boom, she's healed. Because she believes it. And what she believes is not some farce. It's not some pipe dream. It's not some made-up thing by people. It's not some fairy tale. What she believes is the power of God. And the power of God is manifest in her life because she has just the audacity to believe God can do it. If I just touch his clothes, I'll be healed. See, it's a powerful principle from the gospel. This is a powerful, powerful principle. And this is where it doesn't, if you're all you're up here, if this is all you know about Jesus up here, it never gets into you. Because the powerful principle from the gospel is that our belief can release the power of God. It doesn't always have to be that way, but sometimes your belief can actually release the power of God. You might say, well, it's always God. God does it all. Sometimes it's your belief that makes it happen. I mean, God gives you the ability to actually believe him when no one has said anything about it. And we've had times in here where people have been healed during a worship service where they didn't come forward for prayer. Nobody laid hands on them. Nobody said anything. All of a sudden, they're just worshiping. Oh, that pain is gone. Wow. Why? Because God is powerful. Your faith, your belief can, can produce the power of God in your life. Why? Because God is here. He's with you. It doesn't take much to get him to release his power when he's in you already. Do you believe that? You know? This woman, this woman, I mean, my gosh, some people have gone to church for 50 years and they don't believe Jesus. This woman never went to church once. She never set foot in a church service. Sometimes, sometimes the people out there have more faith in God than some Christians do. You know? Because they're desperate. And as a Christian, I've heard Christians, well, I'm not going to pray to God for that because it's not big enough. What kind of a God do you serve? You know? I mean, when, you know, when I was raising my kids or if my grandkids came to me and they have a boo-boo, I'm not going to be like, listen, that's not big enough for me. Go find your nana. 
I mean, no way, man. I'm going to kiss that boo-boo. You know, I mean, that's what I'm going to do. You know, what kind of a God do you serve? You know, who's your faith in? I remember this woman, this woman, just like, just like Martha, this woman had faith in none other than Jesus Christ. Only him. I mean, she had done everything in her power, everything anybody else could do. She had done it all. And all of a sudden, she's like, listen, I have all my, all my eggs are in this basket right here. If I just touch his garment. Because if she, if she had got caught, she's, in, she's unclean, she's bleeding. Um, she could be stoned by the people, uh, literally because she shouldn't be out rubbing shoulders with them because she's unclean. She could get trampled in the crowd. She could die. She was weak. She was anemic. I mean, all these things are going against her. She puts it all on Jesus. And, man, it's a beautiful place to be. <laughs> you know, when all you got left is Jesus because that's really what counts, right? You know what I mean? So what is your faith in? In Luke chapter 8, let's look at some examples of this. This is interesting. So these disciples of his, they, they walk with him for three years, you know, and you think they'd pick up some certain things, you know, but they do as, as time goes on. And here uh, we see the disciples there in a boat, all right? And so Jesus says to them in, in verse 22 of Luke 8, one day Jesus says to his disciples, let's go to the other side of the lake. So they got into a boat, they set out as they sailed, he falls, Jesus falls asleep because he's did a week of EBS. I mean, he's tired, you know? I mean, he's, he's in the boat, and the boat's rocking a little bit, and he's just like, oh. and so he, he falls asleep, you know? And so what happens? As they sailed, he fell asleep. A squall came down on the lake, a storm, a really bad storm, like one of the, the crazy rainstorms we had here, you know? It came down on the lake, so the boat was being swamped, and they were in great danger. And they were in great danger. They're in a lake in a boat that's getting swamped. I mean, the reality is sometimes you're in danger. Sometimes things don't go well in your life. Sometimes it is a dangerous place, you know? I mean, there are those who teach that, you know, if, if Jesus is with you, there's no danger. Where, do, where have they been? I mean, with Jesus, sometimes it's very dangerous, you know, right? The disciples went and woke him, saying, Master, Master, we're going to drown. <clears throat> he got up and rebuked the wind and the raging waters. The storm subsided and all was calm. And then he turns to them and he says, where is your faith? He asked his disciples. In fear and amazement, they asked one another, who is this? He commands even the winds and the water and they obey him. You notice they didn't answer that question. You know? So, but, but like, listen, the disciples are like you and I because sometimes they're, they're like an average Christian um, Jesus is with us. I mean, it, there's not a person in this room, maybe, maybe one or two, I don't know, uh, that, that don't know Jesus. But, I mean, if you know Jesus, guess what? He's with you. And so wherever you are, he is there. Right? And yet we find ourselves, like the disciples in the boat, like sort of like tossing water out, like, we're going to die. We're going to die. We're going to die. And Jesus is there going like, And so, like, the principle here is, listen, if, if, if you're in the midst of turmoil and God is resting, maybe you should give it a rest, too. Right? Maybe you should give it a rest. Maybe, maybe the disciples should have said, well, let's just do what Jesus is doing. <laughs> you know, that would have taken a lot of faith, right? But if they did, would they have died? No, because guess who's in control? He's in control. So, I mean, so if he's with you, isn't he in control in your life too? So why are you getting so frustra frustrated? Why are you getting so full of anxiety? Why are you so worried about what's going on? I mean, listen, if God is napping, if he's resting, then you give it a rest. Give it a rest. Give a rest to your anxiety. Give a rest to your, to your turmoil that's going on. Let's look at this again another time. Matthew chapter 14. Um, they're in a boat again. All right, and so uh, the disciples are out there, and they're out rowing, and it's nighttime, and, and, like, you know, they're having a rough time on there, and all of a sudden, Jesus comes walking out on the water towards them. And it, 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 sort, of, it sort of freaked them out. I mean, wouldn't it freak you out? It'd freak me out, too. You know, we're in the middle of the lake. And, uh, you know, he's walking. And first they thought it was a ghost, and then finally they realize it's Jesus, right? And so uh, he comes close enough to them, and they're like, hey, it's, it's the Lord, it's the Lord, it's the Lord. And so Peter, Peter, who's not the brightest bulb, but he's, he's willing to open his mouth all the time, he says, like, hey, Lord, if it's you, call me. 
I mean, I don't know. I, I, I don't really know much about ghosts. But I mean, if a ghost came and I said, "Hey, if you're, you're like Uncle Fritz, call me," the ghost would be like, "I'm Uncle Fritz. <laughs> Come to me, right?" Because what does the ghost want me to do? It wants me to step into the water and sink, right? Does anybody else see that in there, or is it just because I'm so warped? <laughs> I mean, and so Peter realizes it's Jesus, because Jesus, it says in verse 28, Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. But Peter had listened to the voice of Jesus enough to know him, right? And so Jesus says one word, come. And there was enough faith in Peter to actually get out of the boat and like, walk on the water. That is un... I have never walked on water that wasn't frozen. (laughs) You know, I mean, liquid water? How could you walk on water? It's impossible. His feet weren't that big. You know? But he walked on the water. It's incredible. He walked on the water and came toward Jesus. Verse 30. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You have little faith. Why did you doubt? See, I mean, isn't it wonderful that Jesus affirms the faith that Peter has? He doesn't rebuke Peter. He doesn't say, oh, you just have, you just, your faith is so little. You're the only guy that got out of the boat. Till the other guys are back there, like, wetting themselves, and you're walking on the water. You got a little faith, Peter, but why did you doubt? You know? And so, like, really, it, it's hard for faith and doubt to to sort of work together. You know, Peter's doing the impossible, yet doubt rears its ugly head. And, and listen, let's be honest. In our lives, even if we're people of faith, sometimes we really have to struggle with doubt, don't we? You know? The root of doubt is uncertainty, and the solution for uncertainty is to be certain. I mean, it, it almost sounds elementary, but the reality is the root of doubt is uncertainty. And the, and the cure for uncertainty is to be certain. All right? And so sometimes we face adversity, disappointment, and trials through which we sought to seek God's help in, but we feel our prayers and desires have yet to be answered. And so sometimes we doubt because of that. Sometimes we doubt because we may feel that our previous and more simple beliefs in God and the gospel have been challenged by new experiences. In other words, well, yeah, God worked in the past, but this is different now. And we begin to doubt. And then you know, sometimes all... We doubt because we recall the things we did when we were young, when we had faith, and like when, when life was easier, and we sort of look at it now, and we're like, well, oh, you know, I don't know, that stuff that happened back then, I don't know if it was really even real. I know, when I was at camp, I got baptized in the Holy Spirit, but that might have just been all emotion. Or maybe I got baptized in the Holy Spirit, that special service, but maybe that was just for then, and it's not for now. And we begin to doubt God. And there's no reason to doubt Him. Because he's never let us down. He's never, he's never failed us. He's always been faithful to us. You know? And we live in a time now where we live in this, this incredible age of knowledge. And so, I don't know about you, but like, Lori and I are just riding in the car. And we're like, hey, you know, what does so-and-so? Oh, just, just Google it. Right? And so, like, she'll look it up. And so we live in this incredible time of knowledge. You don't have to know anything. You can just be dumb and still survive. Because you have a smartphone. You know what I mean? I mean, you don't have to know anything. Remember back in the day when they'd say to you, your teacher would say, you've got to know those times tables. What, are you going to carry around a calculator with you all the time? Yeah. <laughs> of course. I mean, you carry around a calculator, a phone, a computer. I mean, it's your, your photo album, it's right there in your hand. And so we live in this incredible time of knowledge, and, and we have to sort of be careful because we still have to admit that there's a limit to our understanding. Even though we live in a time of great knowledge, guess what? Mankind still doesn't know everything. All right? There's still a lot of things that are still unknown. In fact, you know, we, we know more about the planet Mars, per, uh, per se, than we do the deepest parts of the ocean still. There's still a lot of stuff we don't know about this planet we're living on. There's stuff we don't know about the human body still. And they've been studying it for a thousand years, you know, cutting it apart and looking at it and everything. And so... Uh, let me just say this. We live in this time where sciences seem to be final things. 
Science is not and never has been final. Let me say that again. Science is not and never has been final. There's a lot of this talk today. Listen, we just trust science. Oh, you trust science? Science taught a lot of weird things through the years that are totally false. And so why are you trusting science? Science is not final. I'll tell you what is final. God is final. His word is final. You know, and I say, oh, well, his word, you know, listen, the Bible talked about the hydrologic cycle long before mankind understood it. The, uh, the Bible talked about the, the, the sphere of the earth before people, people still thought the world was, there's still people today that think the world is flat. I mean, do you know that? There are actually people who think the world is flat. I mean, makes you feel smart when you realize that. And I'm sorry, if you're a flat earther, I'm sorry, but like, hey, listen, we'll have a talk later, you know, um, because it's not flat, you know. But the, and anyway, anyway, Matthew chapter 21. Let's, let's look at this idea of faith and doubt. Because I've got to finish this up here today. And I, I want to give you guys something to go away with. So in Matthew chapter 21, Jesus comes and he's leaving. He's going back and forth between Bethany and Jerusalem. And as he does, he goes over the Mount of Olives and he's hungry. All right. And so uh, it's sort of like today when you, you're driving around, you're trying to find a place that's open. You know, and you pull up and it's only drive through because they don't have enough workers. So I took Laura out for her birthday just last week. And so we were here at VBS, and then I had a premarital uh, appointment after, after that. So it was like 7.30 when we left. And I, so where do you want to go for your birthday? She says, let's go to Red Lobster. So we go to Red Lobster. Anybody like Red Lobster? It's great. So um, we, we pull in, and, uh, and there's this, these people walking in with us, and we open the doors, and there's people sitting on the wooden benches here, like waiting to be seated, I thought. And then there's like... In the three tanks there, there's no lobsters at all, none, none whatsoever. And there's nobody seated in the entire restaurant. Like, nobody. Like, what, what's going on, you know? And so then, like, 60 seconds later, this waitress comes over to us, and she's like, oh, I just want you guys to know we're booked for tonight. And so I'm thinking, like, wow, somebody who's really important rented the whole place. I mean, that's what I'm thinking. Because, obviously, I'm not in touch with reality. The reality is they don't have workers for it. So they're only open for takeout. So those people that were sitting there were waiting for their takeout orders, you know. And uh, so Jesus sort of has a moment like that. He sees this fig tree off in the distance, like these golden arches of this fig tree off in the distance. And it looks good. And as he gets up to it, he realizes there's no figs on it at all. And it's the time for figs. So there should be figs on it. What does he do? Early in the morning, verse 18, as Jesus was on his way back to the city, he was hungry. Seeing a fig tree by the road, he went up to it, but found nothing on it except leaves. Then he said to it, may you never bear fruit again. Immediately the tree withers. Now, in Mark, it says when they came back the next day, the tree had withered. All right? Verse 20. When the disciples saw this, they were amazed. How did the fig tree wither so quickly, they asked. Jesus replied, truly I tell you, if you have faith and do not doubt, not only can you do what was done to the fig tree, but you also can say to this mountain, Go throw yourself into the sea, and it will be done. If you believe, you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. Wow. And so Jesus is telling us here, in this day and age that we live in, if you believe, you can say to this fig tree, be withered. So in other words, you can curse something if you want to. But you can also, you can also say to this mountain, and the mountain he's talking about is the Mount of Olives. This is not some rinky-dinky mountain. This is a mountain that's important. And he's saying, you can even say to this mountain, be cast into the sea and it will be done. So the reality is, listen, when you have faith without doubt, God can do incredible things, impossible things, miraculous things. He's still a God who does miracles. He's still a God who parts the sea. He's still a God who heals those who are sick, who transforms those, who gives life to those who are dead. He is still the resurrection and the life. And so these are things that we have to understand. And so my question for you is, listen, what do you know? I mean, you can at least believe in what you know, right? I mean, I don't know nuclear code, but I do know, I do know some codes. You know what I'm saying? And so I, I can at least be, be certain in what I know. And so what do you know today? And this is where, this is where the fly in the ointment comes to us as, as believers because we don't really know the word of God like we know all the junk from the world. The junk from the world flows in us and, and, and sort of surrounds us. And then the word of God is like out there on the distance. Well, I can tell you, let me, let me just give you three scriptures here. 
to tell you what you know. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12, I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted unto him against that day. So in other words, I know that I, listen, no matter what happens in this world, I know that I can trust Jesus Christ because I've entrusted my life to him, and I know he's able to keep it until the day he calls me home. So it doesn't matter what goes on in my life, what happens in my life, because it's okay, because Jesus is in my boat with me, and I've trusted him so that he'll take care of things until that day he calls me home. Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in me will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. I know it's NIV up there. I'm quoting King James. But listen, I can be confident in this, that even though I mess up, even though I have made mistakes, even as a believer, and there's some people that think believers can't make mistakes. What in the world? Uh, You know, even as a believer, I'm confident that Jesus can still take me, he's still working in me, he's still making a difference in my life. I've not arrived yet today, but I'm getting closer to that. Why? Because he's still working in me. I'm confident in this. Proverbs chapter 3. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to him, and he will make your path straight. That is a guarantee from God if you do this. Then it goes on. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. Even my physical body can be changed by the power of Jesus Christ. It's not just this belief I have that's going to keep me free from hell fire. It's a belief that even in my physical body right now, he can renew me. He can make me strong again. He can give me the strength I need for today. It might not be tomorrow's strength, but he can give me strength for right now and for today. It'll be strength to my body and nourishment to my bones. Trusting in God. That I can know. You can know it as well. Bow your heads, close your eyes with me this morning. See, there's so much in our culture that breeds doubt about spiritual things. And then there's so much other junk in our culture. Like, I'm blown away. I'm blown away by people that were raised in a church, and they, they've, they've neglected biblical Christianity. Like, oh, this, all this talk about Jesus, all this stuff about Jesus. I don't know if I believe that, but I'll tell you what, man. These crystals I've got, these are awesome. You know? I mean, what in the world? Yeah, uh, you know, they, they haven't sought God. They haven't prayed. They haven't read the Bible, but they'll go to an astrologer. Seriously? And then in our society, you know, that's seen as being, you know, they're enlightened. <laughs> what a joke. What an utter... Listen, I'll tell you what. You want to know? You want to know the future? You tie into the one who, who's, who's created the future for you. It's Jesus. It's only him. He is still the life. He's still the way, the truth, the resurrection. He's the one. Is your faith placed in him today? Is your trust placed in him today? Maybe you're here today and you say, you know what, Pastor Dave? I'm not even on the train because my faith has not been placed in Jesus. I don't know him as my personal Savior. Today's the day. This is the moment of your salvation. This is the moment that God has brought you to this place right here, right now for this. For you to receive him as Savior and Lord. If that's you... I want you to raise your hand up. Say, I need Jesus right now. I need him right now. Amen. Anyone else? Amen. Praise the Lord. Lord, right now, in Jesus' name, Lord, these ones that have raised their hands, I pray that you would come in and blow into their lives. Lord, that they would lay aside that nature that has driven them, that nature of sin that has driven them, and that they would find freedom and deliverance through you right now, Jesus. Lord, would you deliver them right now and let your life begin to flow into them even as we speak right now, Jesus. Making fresh, making new, restoring. Taking what they've turned over to the enemy. The enemy hasn't even stolen it from them. They've given it to him. Lord, you're restoring now that which they have yielded to the enemy in their lives. In Jesus' name, thank you. Now, for the rest of us here, no, don't pick your heads up yet, because I'm not done. All right? All right. So so you might say, you know what, Pastor Dave? I've got this knowledge here. It's all up here in my head. But when it comes down to it, man, it hasn't made it down into my heart, into my gut, into my hands, and into my feet. 
Listen, I want to ask you, do you believe this? Do you believe that Jesus can do what he says he can do? Is it gone from your head? Is it gone down into your hearts now? Is it gone down into your gut? Do you believe, or are you holding back from him right now? Are there things in your life that you don't think he's big enough for? If that's the case, you don't know Jesus. You got to get to know him more. You got to get some of that junk out of your life and out of your head and out of your spirit that's mucking it up and dirtying up the waters and come back to a place where you understand that Jesus is able to do things beyond your comprehension and beyond your understanding, beyond your theology, beyond your pay grade. Jesus is bigger and better than any of those things in your life. And maybe you're just getting to the point where you say, you know what, Pastor Dave, I, I, I want to believe that. I want to believe that. Like the disciples said, Lord, we believe, but help our unbelief. Man, if that's you here today, if you're willing to take a step and go deeper into that faith walk with him, if you're willing to believe him where you thought it was impossible, if you think it's impossible, that's exactly where God wants to be. Because he's still the God of the impossible. He's still a God of miracles. He's still a God that can do, he can still part the Red Sea. He can still restore a, a withered hand. He can still grow back a, 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 a limb that's gone. He can restore sight to the blind, and he can restore families in the midst of turmoil. Where there seems to be no way, Jesus makes a way. He is our way maker, amen? So if that's you, and you say, Lord, I want to believe in you. I want to believe in you. I want to trust in you. Stand with me this night, this, this morning. Stand with me and say, Lord, I want to believe. I want to believe greater. I want to believe stronger. Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. Help me to believe stronger in you. Help me to... Hold on to you in a greater way in these days to come. Lord, for these ones that have stood right now in Jesus' name, Lord, I pray that you would download in them. Give them what is necessary to give them a place in their heart and in their life that they would believe you, that you can do what is impossible in their lives. We say, even as your mother said, with God all things are possible. We believe that, Lord. We believe it, Lord. Lord, I believe that, God, you're going to, re you're going to uh, uh, totally turn back on what doctors have said in people's lives. That, Lord, you're going to totally turn back on what people have said about other people. Lord, lies that people have believed about themselves that others have said right now, you're going to restore those things in those people's lives. That, Lord, even right now, that there are things that perhaps physically are wrong in people, that you're touching them right now and you're moving in them right now in Jesus' name. That you're restoring things that the enemy has taken in their lives. Lord, we believe that you are, you are all things are possible for you. That you're God of the miracle in our lives. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? God is able. And not only is he able, he's willing. He's willing to do what is necessary in your heart and in your life today. Will you trust him? Will you believe him? Jesus, even right now, thank you, God. Lord, for ministering in the lives of these ones, O oh God, that have asked you for greater faith. So, Lord, I ask with them, Lord, that you would expand our faith, that you would give us, Lord, greater faith and less doubt in our lives. Help us to be able to fight doubt in how we live our lives and trust you in the midst of all these things. Lord, move in our lives in such a way that we would move forward for you. Help us to believe you for the miracle and to hold on to you until we see it come to pass. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. That's it. Begin to let your faith right now, those of you who are, who are reaching out to God right now, before we move, let your faith, let, let it well, but begin to ask God for greater things still. I'm not talking about for your own benefit. I'm talking about for the betterment of the kingdom of God in your life, it might be for your benefit as well. It might be for other people. But wherever it is, begin to ask God for greater things. Let your faith grow right now. Let it be bigger. If you think it's big, God wants it bigger right now in your life. If you think that this is what you need, I want you to ask for more. Because God is bigger than that. And any blessing that he gives to you, he expects you to pour that blessing out on everybody else around you. Not just for you to be blessed but for you to be a blessing to others so that even people see your life, they'll glorify God and praise him.
for what he's done in your life. Think bigger right now in Jesus' name. Lord, some of us, Lord, we're thinking of loved ones right now that are in great in need, Lord. Lord, we pray that you would answer bigger in our lives, greater in our lives for them. Lord, we're, we're only thinking small, Lord. We're thinking for a restoration. You want to totally restore. Lord Jesus, would you do it? You're big. You're grace. We are small, but you are big. Thank you, Lord. Help us to think bigger for you, to believe bigger for you, to ask largely when we ask of you. Again, not for our own benefits only, but for the benefit of those around us so that we can bless, so that you can bless, so that we can bless those who need so much around us. In Jesus' name, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Why don't you all stand? I'm going to bless you all before you go today. So do you believe? If you believe him today, raise your hands up. I want to bless you. Jesus, Lord, these hands that are raised, bless them. Bless them, Lord. Lord, we're not asking you to do something you haven't said you would do already. So, Lord, I pray that you would bless these ones. Lord, fulfill your promise, even as we, as, as we prayed for Henry this morning. Lord, would you fulfill your promises in all of our lives. Help us to be fruitful, not like that fig tree. Help us to bear fruit for you. Bless us and make us a blessing in these days to come. Help us to know you. Help us to reject, Lord, I pray for each one, that they would reject the counsel of the enemy in their lives that they would reject the word of man, the gods of men that have spoken into them, and that they would hear your voice clearer and clearer through these days. We thank you and we praise you. Bless my brothers and sisters now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Lord bless you guys. Thanks for being here today. Have an awesome, awesome summer week. God bless you.